education through everyday conversations. I'm going to get that right one day. <laughs> one one day. How you doing today? I am good. I'm feeling good. I'm doing good. My name is Nate Talbot. I'm the executive director of Detroit Blockchain Center. And to my right is... Ashley Rose. I am your everyday mother. I'm a reseller online. And I am on a journey to figure out what all of this crypto business is. All right. And just a heads up for people, today's show is pre-recorded. Um, and when are we pre-recording this? Um, we are pre-recording this at block height, 783,630. Mm-hmm. Um, the size of the block is 1.59 megabytes or megs. That's right. <laughs> um the miner who won this is via BTC, and the total subsidies and fees that were won are $181,340. Nice, nice. So today we are talking about the wild world of DeFi. DeFi. What is DeFi? You know how this goes. Mm-hmm. What is DeFi? <laughs> um, I'm going to keep it simple and clean today. I think I'm just going to say DeFi is decentralized finance. um, And it is, I, I, this is my um, assumption here is that it is traditional finance in a decentralized way. And I know I'm like using all the same words (laughs) to describe it, but it's like, let me use the definition to define the definition. Yeah. Uh, All right. Well, let's roll it back. What is TradFi or traditional finance? Traditional finance is um, a way to manipulate money. Uh, that's it. To for some sort of a, I would say for some sort of a gain. Right. We um just looking up. Here we go. You can always check out episode five. Right. What's the difference between money and finance? Mm-hmm. Um. Right. So finance is just the games we play with money. Money is that sound stuff, and you can go out, check out our other episode, What is Money? I can't <laughs> yeah. remember. Let me see. That's episode eight to figure yeah. out what is money. But finance is the games you play with money, right? Right. And that's a system that's been built up over thousands of years, really, but really amped up over the past few hundred years, and then super hyped up over the past 40 or 50 years or so, it's gotten more and more rampant. Finance is why the 2008 financial crisis happened. Yeah. Um, finance is what causes when you hear about bubbles, tulip mania, and dot-com bubbles, and all those. But it also fuels progression, right? Finance is what fuels progression. I have this conversation all the time. Um, when people, uh, especially hard money enthusiasts, right, they're going to say things like DeFi, um, you know, they're very anti-DeFi because of the modern market, right? Mm-hmm. But it, to me, the attack is wrong. The attack shouldn't be on DeFi. It's what people are dubbing as DeFi or the current, some, a lot of the current implementations of DeFi, which is really just ScamFi. A lot of yeah. it, or Ponzi-Fi, or just TradFi, calling itself DeFi, right? Um, finance does fuel progression because you can have money, and that's great for trade, but you can't do anything with it. How do you, if you want to start a business and you need 
additional money. You have to get it from someplace, and you can just work and earn it, but that's a very slow way to earn the money. Yeah. Um, or you can use finance. When you borrow money from somebody, that's finance, right? Yeah. Um, borrowing, lending is finance. When you're trading different assets, um, especially around anything speculative, that's finance. Pretty much everything. Insurance is finance. So if you want to insure things, you get that's finance. Um, pretty much everything you're going to do is finance. Mortgage in your house, that's finance. Sounds like money games. Money games. But there's a purpose for money games. The problem isn't the uh, isn't necessarily the money games, although they can get really out of control really quick. And again, 2008 is the best example of that. Um, but on a base level and in a in a reasonable market, which doesn't really exist in real life, <laughs> but in a reasonable market, um, yeah, finance is going to be what allows growth and. To be anti-growth, you know, that's, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, that's like putting a spin on it. Right. Yeah. Um, but one of the reasons traditional finance can get out of control so much is because there's so much inherent trust in the system you have to place in it. Right. Right. Um, just a basic banking, for example. You know, banking is finance. Yeah. And you give the bank the money with the assumption that whenever you need it, you're going to go back and it's going to be there. So it would also be like, so it's trusting your, trusting over your custody of your money too? It could be. It could involve that. And that's what you're doing every time you put money in the bank. And, you know, recently, you know, to when the show was recorded a few weeks ago, we just had a, yeah. a big run, bank run situation. And we're still sort of at this point feeling some of those reverberations of it. Yeah. Um, and it may not be over, right? Because finance and because you have to trust so many parties the power of tools like bitcoin um several other projects is you take away a lot of that trust right um and then the idea is you can now once you have a sound money layer which is important first right finance is all mythical if you don't have a good strong base um now you can build finance on top of that sound base and start to play those games in a trustless, transparent, permissionless, censorship-resistant way. Like the most simple example is lending, right? If I want to lend you money, I need, we could do a direct deal, but then what happens if you don't pay me back in time? So now I need to talk about enforcement. I need all these other conditions and stuff. Um, and we typically look out to third parties to do all that. Um, in a DeFi way, you can do that in a trustless manner, right? Like with like a smart contract kind of? Yeah, it could be usually some kind of smart contract. Because yeah. um, that would be what replaces like the human mm -hmm. or the centralized entity playing that role. Yep. Um, so I figure what might be a good way to sort of explain it is it sort of explain the growth, birth and growth of DeFi in the whole crypto ecosphere. Okay. Um, and it really started with what the first use case for any of this was, really was speculation, right? Um, even Bitcoin, right? It was speculative. It didn't have value until you could trade it and do things. Um, but when you started to see some real big booms is when you could, when altcoins started popping up. Mm -hmm. And the only way to get those altcoins was to have Bitcoin, 
right? And this was still using centralized exchanges, but you would go to a centralized exchange. One of the first most popular ones was called Mt. Gox, mm. right? Um, and if you've been in the scene for a little while, I'm sure you've at least heard of Mt. Gox. Um, but it was just a centralized exchange where they would you would send them your Bitcoin, and then they would have other assets, or you would pair against other people who had a different asset, and you would give Bitcoin, and they would give you, you know, asset Litecoin. another coin? Some other coin, okay. yep. Um, so maybe they got Litecoin, and you got Bitcoin, and you want some Litecoin. So you would take your Bitcoin, go into the exchange, and say, I want, I'll trade two Bitcoin for, you know, 500 Litecoin or whatever the exchange rate at yeah. that point was. Um, and boom, you'd have that. But you had to trust that exchange who was sort of acting like, you know, the fat kid on the basketball court who holds all the money when you're betting because yeah. you know they ain't running away. Yeah. Um, that was the exchange. <laughs> but you still got to trust them. Yeah. So they could... Um, they could swindle you, and they have repeatedly. Yeah. So Mt. Gox was the first one. Um, FTX is the most recent that's yeah. fallen in that whole yeah. wave of things. And you got places like the Voyagers and BlockFi, yeah. all these And companies. sometimes I think about it like they probably started off with good intentions, and then they see all those numbers on the screen, and then they like get greedy, and it's the human emotion, I feel, which is what's cool about like a decentralized, on paper anyways, mm -hmm. as in, in removing that human element. Yeah, yeah, greed is a mug, right? Um, it's easy to be altruistic when you, there's zero dollars involved. <laughs> yeah. But as soon as there's a dollar symbol involved, yeah. things change. Yeah. Um, and so like DeFi, there was a couple early projects that um, tried to do early attempts of DeFi, um, there's a project called like Shapeshift, still around today, has gone through many implementations now. Many um, Shapeshifts. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, good. <laughs> um, yeah, but like shape, Shapeshift was one where, in a mostly non-custodial way, right, how they would operate is they would just go buy a bunch of assets, so you weren't counter-trading with another person. Mm. They would just provide it, and so, you would send your Bitcoin in, and then they would send you whatever, some Monero or whatever. So they were almost in. operating like a retail store, like keeping a stock and then yep. um, selling it. Yep. And then you had other, um, of course, you had places like Coinbase pop up, um, which was just a traditional exchange. And this works more like uh, a true stock exchange where you're just trading against another counterparty, but they're the place facilitating that that yeah. deal for you. Um, you're not really buying it from Coinbase in most cases. You're buying it from somebody on the other side mm. um, of the table. So it's always sort of this bet, right? They're kind of just like linking you. Yep. Um, but in both of those cases, there's still sort of this third party. Coinbase, yeah. it's a heavy presence, shapeshift. It was still a presence. It was less of a presence, but it was yeah. still a presence. Um, and then you had, what was the name of it? IDEX. Um, IDEX was a, an early DeFi project where mostly using smart contracts, right? Theoretically, you could now counter trade. You're still trading against somebody else, but that smart contract in the middle mm. is what was doing the trade. Yeah. Um, it was slow and inefficient because you got to have liquidity. Okay. Remember liquidity, right? Yeah. There'd be, 
if there's not enough supply. Yeah. Um, if I wanted some, I'm trying to think of all the old school coins that were popping off around these times. But if I wanted some Ethereum at that point, right? Because um, that was built on Ethereum. Most DeFi was born on Ethereum. Um, because it had faster. smart con well, it had the smart contract capabilities. Okay. Speed matters too. Um, it's going to be it's really hard to do like trading and catch these spot prices, the yeah. price of something when you're waiting ten to fifteen minutes. Yeah, because things change so between quickly, right. Yeah. Um, that just leaves a lot of room for inefficiencies, and you're not really maximizing the value of your. Um, um, the trade. The money, the trade. Um, so, yeah. So, most of it was born on Ethereum. All of it was born on Ethereum, pretty much. Uh, but, yeah, they would operate, and, you know, there's low liquidity, and then they shifted into a different way of doing it instead of sort of doing counterparty, right? I'm going to trade. I need to find a seller. If I want to buy something, I'll find somebody who's willing to sell that amount. Yeah. Um, or at least a group of them that I can distribute yeah. the payment to or whatever. Um, and then they shifted into the, what's called AMM, um, automated market makers, which this is sort of where a lot of the staking that people think of when they think of DeFi comes in. We're not talking about proof of stake type staking things, but it's becoming a liquidity provider where you would take your money okay. and you maybe you have a bunch of, I'll keep it simple, you have a bunch of Bitcoin, you have a bunch of Ethereum, okay. right? And you're willing to risk, um, let's say you have uh, 10 ETH, well, let's say you have 20 ETH, we're, we're guesstimating, let's mm -hmm. see, Bitcoin's price today is about 20-something thousand, right? 28,000. So, uh, so you have about 15 ETH mm -hmm. and you got one Bitcoin. Okay. That's about equal in value compared to the dollar, right? Okay. So you would put both of those into this bucket, this smart contract. Okay. And now you've become the liquidity provider. If I wanted to buy or sell Bitcoin or ETH, I could use this little pool you created. So you're saying if I put my Bitcoin and ETH in there, I become, I'm staking it now. You're, you're a liquidity provider, okay. and so it's a similar process okay. to staking, where you're I, basically I, I, I take really your money. I get up on the word staking, because like mm -hmm. you said, like that's pretty much when I think of DeFi, I think like staking and return on how much I'm putting it in, so I, you, I apologize. <laughs> no, don't, don't apologize, because I think a lot of people have that same yeah. conception. There's many things you can sort of stake, yeah. but it has very different intentions when you stake your ETH to become a validator mm -hmm. in a proof of stake system that's a very different system than because you're locking your coins up yeah and, so you're staking them to in order to become a validator versus and when you're what we're talking about you're locking your coins up to become a liquidity provider mm -hmm. it's not really staking but it's the same sort of act yeah. initially so people think it's, it's just the same thing I'm locking oh. my tokens up must be staking it oh, right okay. um what you're really doing is becoming a liquidity provider. You're saying, look, I'm going to put in this equal pool, and maybe yeah. a bunch of us put in into this same pool, right? Mm -hmm. And that provides this depth of liquidity yeah. for people to trade against. Now, yeah. me who comes in, I haven't put anything into the pool. I just got some ETH, mm -hmm. and I want to trade it for Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. And I want to try to do it in as trustless a way as possible. Mm -hmm. So what this would allow me to do is go in and say, here's a pool, here's a Bitcoin and ETH pool. Mm -hmm. People like you have put in these equal amounts. Mm -hmm. I want to put in my ETH into this pool 
So I'll put ETH in yeah. and I'll take Bitcoin out. And then for that, on top of the blockchain fee that you pay when you do anything, right? Mm -hmm. I'll also pay a um, trading fee, just mm -hmm. like you would if you're on Coinbase or any place yeah. else, you pay these little fees. But would that go to the liquidity That fee provider? mostly goes to the liquidity providers. Oh, cool. And based on how much out of all the Bitcoin and ETH that are in the pool, yeah. whatever percentage you have in the pool is what percentage of that fee you would get. If you have 50% of the pool, you'll get 50% of the fee. Oh, wow. I've never had this explained to me like this. That's right. really cool. So how... Okay, a couple things. Mm -hmm. How do I um, find a pool to to um, give some of my liquidity, uh, give my coins to become a liquidity provider? And also, how do you find a pool to do that exchange if you wanted to? So, <laughs> there's a lot of ways. Um, mostly go do your own <laughs> research. Yeah. But one of the most popular um, and one of the first, one of the first AMMs. Not, I don't think it was the first, um, and one of the most popular, still today the most popular, I think, um, um, decentralized exchange is Uniswap, mm. right? And so you can go to the Uniswap smart contract. Now there's a lot of confusion around the DeFi thing and all that. There's Uniswap, this foundation company who like sort of builds the software, but it's open source okay the, and then once it's a smart contract it's a smart contract mm -hmm. so it's immutable it's it's what it is but then there's the interface if you're really good and you know how to read and write with smart contracts and interact with them you can just directly go right to the smart contract and do whatever trade you want to 99.9% of people do not know how to do yeah, that. Yeah, they'd be a barrier to entry for me. <laughs> right. So they go to the uh, this website front end. So you okay. can go to Uniswap's website. Okay. Um, and I'll link to that in the description notes if you go to theblockument.com, yeah. right? Um, you can go to Uniswap's web interface, and it's just like a very simple thing. It's like you link in your Web3 wallet. So you link in like your MetaMask or whatever. Mm -hmm. And you say, look, I got this... Um, I got this Matic token, and I want to switch that over for ETH. And you put, it's going to ask you, well, what do you want to trade? What do you got? Mm -hmm. Put Matic. Mm -hmm. What do you want? You put ETH. It gives you what the exchange rate would be and if and what the fee and all that would be. And you hit, go ahead and do it. And the smart contract will do all of the swapping for you out of a Matic Ethereum pool. Right? Okay. Um, and that's very basic yeah. DeFi. Right, that's one example of very basic DeFi. Now that can get way more complex because what if there's no Matic ETH pool? Yeah. Now you can do you like these go hops. From one to another. Right. There might be a Matic. Um, I don't know. There might be a Matic and. Oh, I'm trying to think of twins. So. I know. <laughs> Sounding silly. I, I've never you seen you go, without your coffee, and this is yeah. This is this is a what happens. Moment. This is what happens when I don't have my uh, breakfast bourbon on hand. Uh, you might go uh, to like Matic to like Mana. Okay. Because there's a Matic Mana pool, but then you'll go from Mana to ETH because there's Mana ETH pool. Mm -hmm. So you'll do a couple bounces, which means your fees go up a little bit. Mm -hmm. So you get a little bit back on your return, but. The price is still the same. So it can get very complex. Um, in its most basic form, your liquidity provider, you need a liquidity provider on one end. You're making fees. Um, there are other risks that I think are beyond this episode to that, but there's like um, there's a lot of risks for you as a liquidity provider putting that in there. Um, 
but on the benefit side, you know, there's risks to anything you're going to really do. The benefit side is you're removing a lot of that counterparty, that third party, yeah, um, risk. Um, now I know you said the risk is not for this episode, but what is there? I mean, we'll talk about some basic risks in DeFi. Okay, that's that's not a problem. I just don't want to get into like becoming a liquidity provider. That can be its own episode. Okay, like, well that's kind of what I was getting provider. at. Is what would that episode look like? Um, or yeah, called I guess. Um. Like, just like I don't know. Do we, we could do sure. What is a liquidity provider? Maybe we'll do that episode okay. in. Because I am interested, so I want to write that down so I don't yeah. forget. Yep, um, and that that sort of goes through with a lot of these. So that's trading. That's one aspect of DeFi, right? Um, that's not. It's useful. It, it's actually really, really useful, um, but it doesn't seem it on its front. It just seems like speculative. We're just talking about people who are trying to trade and make more money type stuff. Um, but as we go into more examples of what DeFi is, right, yeah. um, you'll, we can come back to this and show why it's so useful. So another big, sort of the next big innovation, if my memory serves me correctly, in sort of the DeFi birth was lending. And mm-hmm. the biggest lending protocol um, that came out was Aave, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Ave is a lender borrower situation. Um, so you're not really trading. What you're doing is uh, I need to borrow some money and I don't have anyone to borrow from. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, you have an ex an um, excess asset, like you have yeah. extra big ETH sitting around um, or stable coins that you're not yeah. doing anything with. Um, and you don't want to just sit on them, right? Especially if you have like a stable coin situation. It's like, why would you just sit on the stable coin? It's not going to appreciate. Yeah. You know, um, it stays the same price. <laughs> if it does what it's supposed to do. It's, yeah. And we've seen they're more likely to depreciate than, than <laughs> appreciate. appreciate. But um, if you're going off of the assumption that your stable coin is always going to be stable to like the U.S. dollar, it's always right. going to be worth a dollar, then all you're doing is sitting on dollars. Mm-hmm. And inflation is still eating away at that profit. Yeah. Or at that uh, that wealth hold, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So you want to counter inflation. So you need to find a way to earn some yield, yeah. right? Earn mm-hmm. some percentages off of those dollars. So let's say you have 10,000 stable coins sitting around. Mm-hmm. You could put them into another liquidity type pool, um, Different kind of risk, though, so it's a little bit different. Where you put it into a lending platform like Ave and say, "Here's ten thousand mm-hmm. dollars," and it's just sitting there. And Ave, the smart protocol, smart contract protocol, will then allow people to borrow against that using collateral. And so I might be sitting on a bunch of ETH, right? And I could sell it because I need some money. Yeah. Right. Let's say I need five thousand dollars. I could sell five thousand dollars worth of ETH and get. $5,000, but now I've lost that ETH, and yeah, ETH, unlike a stable coin, could go up. Yeah. So I lose a lot of opportunity costs. Right. So what if I could borrow against it? Right. Right? So instead of selling $5,000 worth of ETH and losing any future potential upside to that, right. what I can do is I can leverage that. I can take my ETH and go to Aave and say, look, I need $5,000. And Aave generally is like a two to one. It varies sort of based on the asset, but 
we'll say two to one for now. So you're going to over collateralize, right? Yeah. If you want $5,000 worth of $5,000 worth of stable coins, Ave will say, well, cool, put in $10,000 worth of ETH, okay. right? So put yeah. in 10 ETH, well, put in, I guess that would be like six or seven ETH. Yeah. If you put in six or seven ETH, then we will release to you $5,000 yeah. worth of stable coins. Yeah. And then you can go and do whatever. And it's just like if you go to the bank and ask for something and you're like, well, I need some money. And they're like, well, what do you got? Yeah, that's so cool. And you'll be like, well, I got a house. And they'll be like, well, cool. We can remortgage it. Yeah. And your house is worth 200000 You want 15000 Here's yeah. fifteen. Will you now have a 15000 loan and we'll make interest on that. And, and they over collateralize it. Um, is that because in case the price goes like way down, they, you, you don't? Well, A, that you you got to have some kind of incentive to pay, to pay back, back yeah. right? <laughs> if I just, here's $5,000, yeah. cool, right? Yeah. Um, I'm not really incentivized to pay back. So you're going to incentivize it to pay back, and that way, yes, if the price goes up, that loan gets cheaper for me, right? Because if I, right now I'm putting right. in 6 ETH, right. and so I'm at a 50-50 leverage. Yeah. But if the price of ETH doubles, yeah. well, now I have... $10,000, well, I got, I put in $10,000, so now I have $20,000 of ETH in there. Yeah. So, but, it's, but I, I get back all of that same ETH right. for just that same 5000 plus right. interest. Right. So the, the, the debt gets cheaper. Um, and this is true. This isn't like some miracle of DeFi. This is just true of how finance works, right? That's when you hear like debt is cheap. Mm-hmm. When you hear people say that, it's because the interest rates are so low, it's cheap to pay back. Yeah. Because, you know, money will always go down and yeah. inflation. And so then in this situation, there I'm assuming there are fees because nothing in life is free. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, it um, could be free. If you're altruistic and want to build an Ave model, yeah. now how do you incentivize people to put in money to loan out, though? They all have to be a bunch of like oh. saints who just like, hey, I'm not using the money here. Somebody else can use it. I see what you're just saying. Just pay me back. But so in that, but so in the other situation, you would pay like a small fee to the person who is being the liquidity provider. So like, let's say you were putting up the money to be the liquidity provider. I needed a loan. I'd pay you like a small fee. And would it be smaller of a fee, less of a fee than like a traditional bank? Nope, just like a traditional bank, usually it's set by market demand. So, so like you you're putting in a bunch of, if I'm putting in a bunch of stable coins, yeah. I put in a bunch of USDT, mm-hmm. right? Um, there's going to be high demand for USDT. Everybody wants some USDT, right? right? Um, globally, everybody yeah, wants some. Globally, yeah. um, so they're willing to pay a higher interest rate. The advan- another advantage of DeFi is most DeFi doesn't have any term limit. So with we go to a bank and take out a loan. They're like, cool, you'll take it out. You're going to pay us back, what, in 30 days, 60 yeah. days, 90 or, days? Or a penalty. Or, yeah, we'll up your um, things or charge you more or whatever. Um, with DeFi, there's really no payback term. There's, you can do some, you can do these fixed APY mm-hmm. um, or fixed um, interest mm-hmm. programs. So you're going to borrow the stable coin and you're going to pay a flat, Eight percent, okay. Right, um, and that won't change. You yeah. owe eight percent on what you borrow, but you also have to keep in mind of your collateral because yeah. if the price of if we're putting up ETH, if the price of ETH drops, yeah, you might need to add more ETH to your collateral pool to keep you at that fifty-fifty oh, leverage, yeah, right? Yeah. Because if you drop below the fifty-fifty leverage, they're going to liquidate you. 
a court, like, and you're saying they, you mean the smart contract. The smart contract, contract yeah. is going to liquidate right. you, and it's going to take that ETH, and it's going to take whatever value that 5000 is going to send it to me. The liquidity provider. The Yeah, the lender. Mm-hmm. The lender, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to send me the lending, so you'll still have that $5,000 worth of ETH. Mm-hmm. I mean, $5,000 stable coin, but right. you lost all your ETH. Right, right, right. And right. I'll get back my five thousand yeah. dollars because i'll get all of that eth and and does the person who is taking out the um loan um do they pay the fee up front and so that way if that happens nope. they, they pay when they pay back okay. and so you can do loans where just like this is how just this is just finance same yeah. thing as traditional finance it's just it works the exact same way you could just make payments how forever long you can just make payments on the interest Right. To yeah. keep try to keep that yeah. leverage. Um, you might under leverage. It'll give you up to, let's say, 50 50 in different pools. I'm saying 50 50. Some of them are like 80 20. Yeah. Some of them are 64. They're all it depends on what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, you can um, you can make payments just on the interest. You can make semi payments because there's no payments. Cause it's not like you got to pay monthly. Right, right. You cannot touch it. As long as the collateral is good, yeah, the price doesn't drop down. You could not touch it for fifty years, and can stay. It'll stay locked in that contract, and just how much you owe will go up over that time. Yeah, as I say, because you probably just have to you have to pay like um, the fees. To You're the still gonna have to owe lender. the interest to the lender. Yeah, right. Okay. But you'll always there's most of them don't have a term limit, so you could take out a hundred year loan if you wanted to. Wow. It's just if you ever want to unlock that. If you have to pay off all of those, is, that interest. I think this is so cool. Why do people not do this more? Well, because it's, those some of those risks. It's a, it's called decentralized finance. Um, I don't know of a protocol yet that's really decentralized. Mm. Um, there's some kind of centralization choke point someplace in the mix. A lot of these, um, because they have so much what's called TVL, total value locked, mm-hmm. which is how much money is locked into this system. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so much money in there, it's a honeypot, right? So there's always uh, going to be somebody trying to find an exploit to get in that little mm-hmm. s- smart contract yeah. and suck out all the money. Yeah. Um, and so to protect against that, the developers, a lot of the developers will have some kind of multi-sig access or secret keys or secret backdoor pathway yeah. into it so if something happens they can go in quick and shut it down before it gets drained yeah um but now how is that really different than a bank that's what a bank does this is the that's the benefits of a centralized right. third party they, they, because also couldn't it be used for so it's it, they say the backdoor access is to shut it down but it could also be to do the draining. to do the draining yeah yeah exactly and that's happened and this is what you saw with FTX, um, a lot right? of well, I don't know because FTX is a centralized exchange. Okay, okay. Right? So we're talking about the opposite of FTX. Okay. Um, but there's not really an opposite of FTX, even though they call themselves DeFi. Um, most of these protocols, all of them, pretty much have some kind of very heavy centralized force in it. So we're still trusting. Um, so what would a true decentralized um, finance uh, I guess broker look like well it would look like what we're sort of been talking about except there wouldn't be any back doors and keys um, but it's still so new yeah but then how do you don't then know how do you get around that um, security of it being a, a honeypot 
Is there? I mean, well, it's the same it's thing. Uh, if you look at Ethereum, Bitcoin, Monero, a lot of these lo layer one protocols that have been mm -hmm. around for a while. Litecoin, mm -hmm. uh, all these tokens that have been around or coins that have been around for a long time, they're honeypots. Yeah. If you figured out how to hack the Litecoin network, well, whatever the current market value um, market cap of Litecoin is, that's up for grabs, right? Bitcoin's like a four or five hundred billion dollar asset right now that's four or five hundred billion dollars <laughs> if you figured out how to crack it yeah you could slowly i mean if you suck try to suck it all at once people would notice and the value flop but you could slowly start draining that out if you figured out how to but hack you it you can't just like hack it because it's like the network is all over the globe right so like saying hack it is like almost not correct right because you'd have yeah. to hack the whole system and all of the well, there could be a bug in it, knows. right? There could be a bug in the core code that everybody's running, mm. and so you figure that out. Um, but besides that, correct, it's very hard because there's not a central database to hack. Yeah, I can hack your node yeah. and maybe affect your Bitcoin or yeah. Ethereum or whatever, but I'm not going to hack everybody's at once. Unlike if I can get into JP Morgan's yeah. access, yeah. I can drain everybody at the same time, Yeah. right? Um, but this is the premise of DeFi. If first, this, you know, I said this a little bit earlier, mm -hmm. first you need a very sound money layer. Yeah. Um, so you need a Bitcoin sound layer. This is if when you hear like Ethereum is money thing because they understand you've got to have the money layer first. Yeah. If once you have a money layer that's sound, then on top of that, using that layer one security, mm -hmm. you can build these other tools on mm -hmm. top of it. Um, so there's a couple projects, like even on Bitcoin now, because you know Bitcoin itself will not be able to do right. all of those, where you could build this directly on Ethereum. But it gets costly because of the security costs are so high. That's why the fees yeah. go off the roof, and that's why you start to see layer twos. Bitcoin, it's not even going to try the smart contract approach. Yeah. They're more like, let's just be sound money, and then other people can build layer twos that have smart contract functionality on, in inside of them. And then you can build DeFi from there mm -hmm. because all of them will, you know, work off of the security model of the first one, off of that layer one. Okay. Um, so, yeah, you have lending, you have trading as far as DeFi. Um, those are some of the two biggest aspects. Um, but, you know, like finance, everything else with finance can get out of control really quick. And that's what we saw over these past couple of years. Yeah. Um, when you see these high APYs, yeah. which incentivize you to put it in, you're like, oh, I can make 20%. And now people look at 20% like it's ridiculous. Yeah. It was the downfall of Terra. Yeah. Um, but people pretend like Terra was the first, mm -hmm. right? Terra has been offering that, was offering that 20% APY pretty much throughout its whole existence. When the DeFi craze was happening, mm -hmm. people laughed at the Terra APY of 20% because it was so low yeah, at 20%. Yeah, I've seen some like 200%, like even like hundreds of thousands. 1,500% APY, 30,000% yeah. APY. Yeah. Um, there's some dog coin, um, shoot, just yesterday, something happened or whatever, and the APY went up to like 30,000%. Wow. It's like crazy. Yeah, but the the thing about that that I didn't realize for quite a while was that um, you hear the APY and you're you're instantly thinking about it in dollars. You think, okay, so I put hundred dollars in, I'm gonna get um, you know this hundred APY 
on the hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. No, you're getting it on the coin. So you get yeah, if the, whatever the coin's valued at. So if yeah. the coin stays at that same value, sure, you're going right. to make a lot of money. Right. If the coin goes down, but then there's also pulling the liquidity matters. You might offer thirty thousand APY, right? But you don't have any liquidity. So I got I put it in. I'm getting this thirty thousand APY, but when I want to convert it out of that coin into something else, there's no place I can trade yeah. that to. I'm stuck. With I'm stuck with a million coin. dollars of some shit coin. Yeah. That I can't do anything with because yeah. I can't trade it. You can't get it. the value out of it. I couldn't go to a Uniswap right. and swap it for anything yeah. without crashing the price. Right. Um. So yeah, there's a lot of little issues, and then you got we haven't even talked about the derivatives. <laughs> little issues. That's kind mm-hmm. of a big issue. <laughs> right. That's a yeah, but I mean we have and again this is probably its own show, um, but you even have like the whole derivatives aspect of it all, right? Where what people started to do with the our original example, well, a lot of these, any of these examples would work. I might go into the lending platform, right? Mm-hmm. And I can do this loop cycling. So I'm going to go in, I got 10 ETH, okay. right? And so 10 ETH right now is going to be someplace like 18, 16 to $18,000, right? So I got 10 ETH I'm going to put in, and I'm going to borrow $5,000, 5,000 USDT stablecoin against that, right? Okay. So I got $5,000. What am I doing with this $5,000? I'm going to go buy some more ETH. Um, Then I'm going to take that ETH, and I'm going to put that in, and and I'm going to borrow another, like, $4,500 or $5,000, as much as I can. depends on how leveraged I want to get. And I'm sort of playing this position where I can keep cycling this money and over-leveraging, especially if I'm banking on the price of ETH going up. Yeah. Because remember, debt can be cheap. So if the price of ETH is going to go up, if I expect, all right, we're about to hit another bull run, right? I'm, I'm feeling yeah. the market. Yeah. I think I'm right. And then in the next six months, we're going to be in another bull run. Price of ETH is going to at least double, oh right? Yeah. What well, that means, how much I've borrowed, I'll have all this accumulated ETH I've put in. I've gotten these dollars. The price of ETH doubles. I pay back the money. I only sell, I have to sell yeah. a quarter of that ETH. Yeah. And I've just made, you know, 25% of my ETH stash is now free. Wow. I think I did that math right, but something like that. Yeah. The, uh, I mean, you're getting the point across regardless. <laughs> right. But that's if I'm right. Yeah. If I'm wrong, yeah. I can't unwind quick enough. Yeah. Because I have to pay back. I have to sell some. I have to pay back some money to get some of the ETH, to sell it for more stable coin, to pay back more of the loan, to get more ETH, to sell some of the ETH, to pay back more of the loan. Oh, my gosh. While the price of ETH is crash, tanking, crashing. Yeah. And then I lose big time. Or even worse, because I'm banking it all on stable coin, I'm in a Luna situation where they have the Lunaterra, yeah. their UST token, where the stable coin lost its peg. Oh, boy. And that went to zero. Yeah. And so now the whole system collapses. I can't even, I can't even walk away with like saying, well, at least I got five thousand USDT yeah, out of it. Nothing. I got nothing because the stablecoin I got went to zero too. Jeez. Right. So there's a lot of risks involved in yeah. all of this stuff. Um, it's early. It's all really sort of centralized um, in one regard or another. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of again, finance can get really, really dangerous, really quick. And yeah. while I'm very pro-finance in general, um, I'm pro, like, basically, I'm I'm pro-lending, borrowing, um, things like that. I think once you get into a lot of the derivatives of derivatives, yeah. with, like with your, when we were talking about the, the uh, 
the trading pools, with the, the decks, right, uh -huh. the decentralized exchanges. Oh, yeah. what, what happens? How does the protocol know you put one Bitcoin and, what do we say, eight Ethan or whatever? Mm -hmm. How does it know that? Well, it issues you this receipt. Mm. It says, here's your ETH-BTC receipt. Yeah. So all you have to do is whenever you want this money back off the liquidity pool plus your profits, you just got to show us that receipt that's in your smart in your uh, wallet. Mm -hmm. Show us that receipt, trade in the receipt, we'll give you back whatever you have in the liquidity pool, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Well, I'm looking at this. You're feeling iffy about the market and think the market's about to go down. Yeah. I'm feeling bullish about the market and think the market's about to go up. I think I know what you're going to say. Yeah, okay. I'm like, how much you want to sell that receipt for? Yeah, I knew it. Yeah. And now we have a whole secondary market selling the receipts. Yeah. Right? Um, and this was what started like the DeFi summer of uh, oh, wow. 2019, 2020, going yeah. to 2020. The uh, it was that everybody's selling these receipts and offering even more APY. Just take the receipt. So you put money into this one liquidity pool, you get the receipt. Then you take that receipt and go put it into something else. Yeah. But what's that something else give you? How does it know you gave it a receipt? Yeah. It gives you another receipt. Oh my. God. Then you go into another pool so and like put that other removed. receipt. Yeah. It's crazy. Crazy. Yeah. Um. And there's a lot of room for exploitation. We we won't. There's a lot of things we'll bring up that we won't get into today. But if you've heard of um, MEV, which used to stand for Minor Extractable Value, and now that shifted to um, Maximum Extractive Value, right? That's a way to front run people who are doing DeFi. If you're a, if you're a miner or a block producer, mm -hmm. right? I see you want to do a trade for ETH to Avalanche. Right. Okay. But you're not a sophisticated trader, so you're just trying to do a regular old swap. Mm -hmm. And I see, hey, you left. You're doing a very inefficient trade yeah. on your routing or something. Yeah. I could throw in this one extra step and save twenty percent on the trade. So instead of, I'm not going to tell you this. Yeah. What I'm going to do, especially because I'm the one running the block, I'm going to say, all right, well, I will. I'll front run her trade. I'll do it before she does it, mm -hmm. right? And then raise her fee a little bit and then keep all of that little middle money, yeah. right? So I've, I've upped the whole thing 20%, and then I get to draw out that 20%. Is this kind of what you were talking about? I forget what episode, about how, like, how how like Wall Street kind of does this, like when they're closer to the... Um, yeah, it's like what, sort of similar to like what Robin Hood Mm. It was accused of doing with the whole GameStop thing. Mm -hmm. They're really selling. Why is Robinhood free? Why don't you pay trading fees on Robinhood? Because you are the product. Mm. They're constantly selling your order books to the highest bidder so they can do whatever they want to with it. Usually, mm -hmm. same thing. It's the same type of thing, right? Um, so you have like MEV. There's... Um, Flash loans and the lending part we talked about, I can be really sophisticated in one block, right? In Ethereum, every block happens every about 12 seconds, right? I could theoretically go into Aave if I'm sophisticated enough, mm -hmm. and I could do a flash loan. I just We just spend time. I got to put up collateral to get the loan. Yeah. Well, if I borrow the money and pay it back all within one block, yeah. I don't need to put up any collateral. 
So I can go in and borrow $10 million, okay. then go execute some trade I see where there's an arbitrage situation someplace, mm. right? Mm -hmm. I can execute that with the $10 million. That might make me a $100,000 profit. Yep. Then I go back, pay back the loan, yeah, yeah. and it's done. Yeah. Now, as long as I get it done before that block <laughs> is, is sent off, yeah. it costs me nothing, yeah. really. Because no collateral up. Yeah. But if I get caught out, then yeah. I'm going to have some situation. Well, no, then nothing happens. If I get yeah. caught up, nothing really happens because uh, um, I didn't put anything up. And all the everything I did just gets unwound because I couldn't take out the loan. So I couldn't make the trade. So I couldn't do this. So it just becomes like a failed transaction. It's just a failed transaction. So I pay whatever the transaction fee was. So I lose the transaction. So let's say, and even in Bitcoin, in Ethereum's big hype phase in the 2020, 2021 phase, we're only talking about um, maybe in a wild day I put up 600 bucks to do this. Mm -hmm. So I'm risking 600 dollars in fees to make potentially 10 thousand dollars <laughs> or more, yeah. hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah. yeah. That risk risk reward sounds. Pretty good. <laughs> yeah, but it's a very complicated, sophisticated thing. It's not something any Joe off the street is going to yeah, be able I to do. Yeah, I could do it. That's for sure. Because mm -hmm. you have a 20-second window. 14, like 12-second window. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> even even worse. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um. So, yeah, that's what DeFi is. That's the basics of DeFi, right? DeFi is a way to do regular finance without using um, a trusted third party. We're not really there yet on the trusted third party, so it's it's just a basic of trade-off. Do you, A, you don't have to trust JP Morgan or Bank of America or Charles Schwab. You don't have to trust them. And they've been proven to be lying, scamming, <laughs> you know what I mean, yeah. over the years. Iffy. Yeah, they're at best. <laughs> So you're shifting that trust model over to, do I trust this smart contract mm -hmm. that it was written good without the bugs? Mm -hmm. And do I trust whoever deployed the smart contract does not have any kind of secret backdoor keys into it? Mm -hmm. Now, if that's a trade-off you're willing to make, and many people are because banking has proven to be iffy, yeah. um, cool. Just yeah. understand that's the trade-off you're making. Yeah. Um, to me why I'm an advocate myself for DeFi mm -hmm. is that as time goes on, centralized entities, banks and lenders and all that mm -hmm. get more and more less trustworthy over time. Like they correct themselves. Like they, No, they, they become... don't correct themselves. Oh. They learn from their mistakes and get even shadier. They learn from their mistakes in 2008 when they did all this garbage repackaging of mortgages, uh -huh, uh -huh. which caused a global crackdown. Right, right, right. They didn't learn their lesson and do better. Yeah. They learned their lesson on how to not get caught Cop. and be able to run <laughs> it even riskier. Yeah, okay. Which is why we're on this even bigger tier yeah. now, yeah. right? So I don't trust them. Where DeFi, on the other hand, started off really, really bad, mm -hmm. but it's getting progressively better. Mm -hmm. It's no, it's not, I wouldn't even really call it, it's maybe just under good right now, depending on how you look at the trade-offs. Yeah. I wouldn't call it great. And under under any, but it's trending respect. in the right direction. But it's trending in the more and more um, trustless direction, yeah. decentralized yeah. direction. And so it could be just a matter of 
years before we have some real robust um, core DeFi protocols to then build further on. Yeah. And then imagine what you could do in the future with that. Imagine now you can, instead of putting up ETH as collateral, if you get to a point where you can get counties to put all mortgages and stuff on the blockchain, the mm -hmm. thing, that coveted thing everybody likes to use, mm -hmm. right? Well, if you really did have that, well, now mm -hmm. you can put your house up. If you needed money, mm -hmm. you could mortgage oh, your house in yeah. a decent, you're not waiting on a bank yeah. who's fully incentivized to liquidate you. Yeah. The bank is fully incentivized yeah. to make sure if you do not you, pay your right. mortgage or you have to be stuck in this right. 30, 40, 50, you know. Right. They'll, they'll try to make these mortgages go longer and longer. So a smart contract theoretically isn't, right? You you agree to those terms up front, and that is what it is. There's no changing the deal later. Now, um, who decides what's in the smart contract? Is that like the, the liquidity provider, the lender, like the you or the me who has this extra? Or is that something like um, that that specific DEX, decentralized exchange, would decide? Like, here's how all of our deals are going to be formulated. Whoever develops the smart contract. And this is why you'll, you're not going to get necessarily um, that pure decentralization because mm -hmm. there's still businesses that are deploying this. They're letting you do things in a more decentralized way. Um, there's a There was a trend a couple years ago, so it disappeared, but I liked it. DeFi, there's no such thing as DeFi right now. There is OpenFi, hmm. open finance, because it's still, even if it's, Centralized, people have back doors. It's still transparent because it's not, if it's built on a permissionless, open source, transparent blockchain, mm -hmm. it's still permissionless and transparent. It yeah. might not be trustless, but it's it's transparent, so you can see what's happening. Yeah. And if you're good, if you're lucky, you can catch anything going wrong in time. But at least it's open. Yeah. You, you can't say any central finance is really open right now. So, again, <laughs> at least it's trending in the right direction. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there yeah, you have these open finance systems, so you can do all of that. And, and live. I know we, you said a couple of things, but, like, let's say, like, um, I or, like, the listener wanted to go, like, look into um, participating in DeFi. Like, where are some places that they can start? Um. A lot of scam stuff out here, so you got to yeah. be very careful, right? This is when you hear people like wallets getting drained. There's the mm -hmm. NFT side, and then there's the DeFi side, and yeah. there's a lot of scams. So be very careful. Yeah. I always say, ask somebody who you think knows a little more than you for like, right? Is this could this be a scam? Can you look at it? Because yeah, you got to learn how to do your own research, yeah. and uh, let me go look through our catalog. If you don't know how to do your own research, that should be episode. I think even part of doing your own four. research is also like. <laughs> could be even asking a friend who knows more than you. No, no, asking a friend. That's yeah. part of that, right? Yeah. Um, let me let me show the show. Okay, okay. Uh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> um, yes. Part of that safe. is is asking your own own friend. Again, you can check the show notes at theblockument.com for this one. We'll have a couple links there if you if you trust us, <laughs> you can click on them. You could also go to places like um Coin Market Cap or okay. Coin Gecko, okay. I think it's my preferred one, um, because once you go in and you find like a token, you can like I brought up Uniswap. So if you go to like Coin Market Cap or Coin Gecko and type in Uniswap, you'll see the token, but they'll have a link directly okay. to it. You don't want to go to Google or Bing <laughs> or ChatGPT. You don't okay. want to go to any of these things and ask because okay. they they could send you to the wrong spot and you won't know, and to then they'll just drain spot. your wallet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
But if you go there, you have a, a better chance of hitting an accurate link to the accurate site where you can link your wallet in and know you're actually at the right website. Okay, so then once you get to Uniswap, if you wanted to like like maybe give yourself a loan, for example, like mm-hmm. obviously we talked about um, Ave Coin, but is well, Ave? Yeah, there's a coin, but Ave the platform, right? Okay, so, um, so like. I don't. I just. I guess I'm trying to say, like, um, if I wanted to give myself a loan, how do I figure out, like, how to do that? Like, obviously, you just said Ave. So, is that like Ave.com? Like, yep. Go to CoinGecko. Okay. Or or CoinMarketCap. Mm-hmm. Type in Ave mm-hmm. A A V E, mm-hmm. and it'll give you a link to the thing. Don't go right to the lending platform. This is like rule 101 of do your own research. Mm-hmm. Read the documentation. Mm-hmm. They'll fully list out all of the risks. They'll fully list out all the things. Ave is what we call um, one of the uh, blue blue uh, blue chip mm-hmm. DeFi. Mm-hmm. So Ave does have a trusted name. They've been around for years and haven't scammed people that we know of to the point. Yeah, yet. So. You know, there's a lot of lending platforms. There's a lot of competitors' ones, and I'm not saying anything that's not Ave is a scam. Right. I'm saying Ave is a good place to start because that's where you're going to learn sort of the best information and know you're probably not getting ripped off, rug pulled, or anything else. Yeah. And then, as you div down that pool, we'll go through, and we can always do an episode, right? Mm-hmm. What is DeFi lending, mm-hmm. and we can break down more of this process. Yeah. So. If you're interested in that, you know, yes. hit us up at Twitter at the Blockuments and let us know. Hey, I want how what is DeFi yeah. lending and how? Hold my hand, take me through it. Take <laughs> me through it, um, and we'll do it. But you got to let us know. Yes. Um, you can let us know on Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, at the Blockument. All of those at the Blockument, <laughs> and that's I stole <laughs> that sounds like I'm good with it. <laughs> That sounds like a uh, wrap-up segment. So unless you have any last little burning question that we can't get in our little overshow. No, but I have uh, many um, show topics. All right. <laughs> um, so that will be it for today. Um, what is DeFi? Hopefully that gave you a very ground idea of what DeFi is and what the purpose is supposed to be. Yeah. Um, this is a series of... Um, talks and shows in and of itself so again if you have any questions about it um, hit us up on social media you can find us at the blockument and go to the blockument.com to get links and resources from this today's episode mm-hmm. um, plus you can listen on into past shows like what is money money versus finance do how to do your own research. research all the things you sort of need to understand some of the words we were talking about today yeah. Um, and if that is it, that is it. We will talk to you soon. Check you out in a couple weeks. Yep. And peace. Peace. Peace in a second. <laughs> we will be peacing soon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Stand by. We can, we can give him a teaser. What's 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 the uh Take it.